I want to welcome you this morning to River Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where Jesus is Lord, and we're real excited about Him and the kingdom of God. And so this morning, uh, we're, I'm Michael Billings, and this morning we're ministering on a subject called, Is Your Ready Ready? So I'm going to ask you on the broadcast, Is Your Ready Ready? Uh, someday you're going to be asked that question, Is My Ready Ready? And so you'll need to know the answer to that. So if you would, turn in your Bible with me. Let's see where we could go. Uh, I got notes here somewhere. It's in Philippians. That's where we're going to go. Oh, this morning. Okay, y'all ask me about it when we get through. <laughs> Praise God. Philippians chapter 3. Hallelujah. That's where we'll go this morning. Is your ready ready? Hoo-hoo. So you'd have to ask yourself, is my ready ready? Well, it may have been ready for a lot of things. You know, if you're going down the road and all of a sudden you have a flat, you're going to ask, you're going to think about your spare tire compartment and say, is my ready ready? Am I, <laughs> or did I, doggone, I had a flat two months ago and never fixed that thing and my ready's not ready. Well, we, we see lots of signs about uh, eternal life and is your ready ready? Uh, turn or burn or get right or get left or whatever. Uh, there's a sign downtown or down 69 that says uh, eternity is a long time to think about where you went wrong. And it's really just saying, is you ready, ready? Are you, because it could happen. Anything could happen. I, I've seen it. You've seen it where people didn't get to stay as long or didn't get to be healthy as long. You, we got to get up to speed on healing. We got to, but while you're well, you got to know how to stay well. You can't wait until you need to know. You have to know now. Money, let's put it, let's have gazillions of, of stuff in the bank and be pressing with God about, Lord, how do I prosper? Because prosperity is not accumulation. Ask lottery winners, ask inheritors if, uh, if, uh, if accumulation is prosperity. It is not. If, if, and yet, ask a rich man who lost everything. He just... Whew, something happened and, and he lost everything, but he's rich inside. Ah, he'll be back. He'll be back in nothing flat with nothing. He'll be back then uh, faster than a lot of people with all sorts of stuff. So it's inside. Prosperity's inside. Healing's inside because faith's inside. So we, we need to just not be ready for the 911. Well, what could happen? I'll prepare for that. We need to be ready for everything. We need to be ready for if your neighbor comes over and says, we just got trouble, and you just say, I, I'm ready. You need to be at the right place at the right time, not until somebody says, you know, th there's a revival going on over here. It's on fire. Well, I ought to move over there. Well, it's, <laughs> it's well, it could be too late. Get you ready, ready. Amen. I've been in Alabama 23 years now trying to get my, keep my ready, ready. So, um, I want to lift up the Lord Jesus this morning, who's always ready. He's always ready inside of us for anything that we're going to face. He's, he's not saying, let me get back to you on that. Let me do a little research. Let me, let me check with Holy Ghost and see if he knows anything about that I hadn't heard. No, he's always ready, and he's on the inside. He's not far away. Oh, Lord, I don't know how to pray. I wish I'd have learned to pray. I wish I was. I hadn't done those things last week. Nope, he's inside. He's, he's instant. So I want to lift him up this morning. I looked up the word laser a day or two ago because I thought I knew what it was, but I really didn't know what a laser was. Certainly didn't know how one worked. Do you know how a laser works? Do you know what it can do? Well, if you do, let me just tell you anyway. The, the, I condensed the, ver the translation, the definition down to it's a tube 
that concentrates one color of light into a really powerful beam. And the way it explained it in the article is, is that it's somehow able to multiply, uh, concentrate light, and then concentrate it again, and then concentrate it again until it's a very small focused beam. It really doesn't take a lot of power. Uh, an incandescent bulb or a bulb that's in here is putting out quite a bit of power, but it's so diffused and so scattered that it's not powerful. I mean, it'll keep you from bumping into the door if it's on, but it won't really uh, do what a laser do. It's, uh, it went on to say it's focus light versus scattered light. So what we're under this morning and, and in a flashlight or whatever is scattered light. And uh, like I said, it's not powerful. It's a, a laser is a very small, has a very small range width. It's, it's not... Uh, it's not broad, but it's very powerful when it intersects materials. And I read an article that said that uh, a lot of clothing manufacturers uh, are using lasers to cut fabric because it's so fast and so exact and so consistent. They just put it under there and it just zips it off. And, of course, it's used in DVD players and all sorts of things. Actually, the thing that they've said about this invention of the laser this isn't science class, but I'm going somewhere with it, is that it's the invention that's looking for a cause. They invented it, but really don't know. They've never really incorporated it in anything that's, that's got cultural changes. Uh, I read that it can you can shine a laser from here, and it'll show up on the moon. Put your flashlight out there and, and ask the astronauts, did you see me? Blink, blink, blink. No, but a laser can actually go however far that is, isn't it a long way to the moon? It'll actually show up. It'll be a little broader than a laser would be down here, but it'll show up on the moon, and that if you get a powerful enough laser, it'll cut hard materials like steel, or hard materials. I, sh I shouldn't say steel, but just hard materials. And the thing is, now here's my point, is all a laser beam is is processed light. It's not radioactive, it's not uh, some wild logarithm, and, and it's just focused light. They've just figured out a way to get big light into a little, little, little uh, beam. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is uh, what is your focus worth? Because a laser is just focused light. And light's pretty benign here, you know, we're, nobody's suffering ill effects here, we, we like the benefits of it. But the lights that are in this room, if you were to get them into a laser, it can cause blindness, it can, it can cut your fingers off, it can do all sorts of things. Just, I, I don't really know, but just the light that we're enjoying here that's got such a benefit. In Philippians chapter 3, let me turn there with you. Philippians chapter 3, it's talking about this laser effect and how important it would be for us. Because like I said, a laser light is simply, it's only processed light. Processed light, regular light. Only thing is, is a laser is always one color. They take out all the colors. Uh, I don't know how they do that. It says in chapter uh, 3, verse 14. Let's look there. It says, uh, verse 14, Paul said, I press toward the mark. For the prize, I press. The word press there is to stretch, or even could be translated, I focus. 
I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So this would be a priority for him. It might be a priority for us. There's lots of things on your life, lots of things pulling. Uh, if, you, if you had a 40-hour day, you wouldn't get it done. You go, I'm not getting it done. I'm, you're, if you're sleeping six hours, which a lot of y'all in this room, that's all you get. Uh, so you got, what, 18 hours, and you're not getting done everything you want to get done. I'm certainly not. And even some cases, not what you think that you think that you need to get done. So there, there either the word is not true that there's enough time to do everything that you're supposed to do, which that's not true, is it? God wouldn't say, I got more on you than you can do. That's, that's never it. So then there must be either we're not getting it done in the time frame that he's allotted, we're not using supernatural power like wisdom and, and discretion, or uh, there's a lot of clutter in our life that we got in there that we're doing that doesn't make a bit of difference. Now, I tell you that I'm number three. I have, I have taken on things and, and uh, let things come in our life and, and got distracted and started doing them. Then when the deadline came up, like, it's whoops. <laughs> oh, no, I just have this much time, and that thing was there all along, but I got pulled off. Always doing good things. I'm not talking about I got pulled off with drugs or wild women or drink or anything like that. I got pulled off by doing good things. So, so what is the, there's a, there's a, there's a solution to this problem. He said, I press, I press toward the mark of the prize, the prize, the prize. So here he's, he's calling the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, a prize or a priority, a priority. Say it with me, priority. So what, what, what are you made for? What are we created for? What's our purpose? Well, it's for him. It's for him. I get on this all the time because Romans tells us that the moon and the stars and the earth are for us, for us, and that we, the, the sun shining, the moon reflecting, is all for us, and that we are for him, and we are for him. So you got to be careful with pets. That's where I always get off and talk about that, because people give themselves to their pets when the pets are there for them. And if they ever cease to be a benefit, a cost-benefit ratio or whatever time, then, then somebody's got to go or, or adjust. I had to meddle just a little bit. I, I, don't, I don't know why, but that just seems natural to me. He said, I press, I press, I press. So we're talking about focus here. I press. I, you could use the word focus. I, I pull off something that's not in that mode, that's not going to that end, that's, that's irrelevant to that purpose, I, I'm pressing. So there's things that have to be discarded, there's things that have to be routed out of your life, there's things that have to be concentrated like a laser into that one thing because it's so important, it's so essential for your life. What is that thing? He said, uh, he said it's the prize of the high calling of God. Well, you know, that's not what most Christians are doing. We're enjoying life. They had that uh, survey that said, uh, they surveyed Christians, says, what's your purpose in life? And they said, to enjoy the benefits of God. Just to enjoy it. We go to Disney. We go to Six Flags. We go on vacation. My 66% said that was their calling. That was their assignment. That was the reason they were on the earth that God wanted them to enjoy. Whoo. 
The TE version says, I run straight toward the goal in order to win the prize. I run straight. Now, that's one thing a laser does. Well, all light, but the laser, you can see it. It goes straight. If you point it 28 miles away, it didn't drop or vacillate or get lost. It was there. The, the Living Bible says, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize. When's the last time anybody that you knew was straining? In other words, they were excluding, they were dedicating, they were, they were intense about something in the kingdom of God. Other than their, somebody in their family almost dying or something like that that was an emergency, that they just got up one morning and said, what a great day it is in God. I believe I'm going to put everything in my life into the call to press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. That you'd go, you're, you're called to something. You must be apostolic that you would think that way. No, just regular Christian. Just, just all of us. Not, not apostolic, bishopy, or prophetic. Just, just me, pressing, straining, uh, running straight. Uh, the Darby, which I've never had the Darby do anything for, for me, and I, but I found it. It says, I pursue looking towards the goal for the prize. I pursue. Let's point to ourselves and say, hey, you, start pursuing. Do it better. Yeah, that's what we're doing. So we talked about that every believer is given, when we get born again, immediately in the package, we're downloaded the, the, the God kind of faith. It's in us. You don't have to ask for it or, or go after it. It's downloaded. You faith to believe God. We have a kind of faith before that, and the only thing we can do with our faith, uh, the sinner faith, is to ask God to save us. We have faith to believe His Word that He would save us, but we're not asking Him, you know, to get rid of our mother-in-law or you know, uh, put a new car in the garage. We're just that's the only thing they have. But once we got born again, the God kind of faith. Remember, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty-two, "Have the God kind of faith." He was talking about getting born again. And so we have that in us. And so it's just like a baby. We got some little ones in the nursery and in the children's church this morning. They got every muscle you do. You know, they got, uh, uh, who was it, Lou Ferragamo or, or, the, or Hulk Hogan or what? these massive men that are just, oh, they're just beasts, you know. Well, little guy in the nursery has every muscle, every bone that they have. It's just undeveloped. It's immature. Now, if, if Hulk Hogan is what it looks like, I'm always going to be mature, that, immature. That, I'm never going to go there. How about you? So, uh, so every believer, we have the grace of the God kind of faith. It's inside of us, but only the laser focus live by it. So it's like having a spare that doesn't have any air in it. He's like, I got it but I can't use it. It doesn't benefit anything. If, if I have a flat and I don't have any air in my spare, I got to call AAA. I got to say, y'all come get me because I'm a dummy. <laughs> I didn't air up my spare. Well, that's the way most Christians are. We didn't air up our spare. We have this God kind of faith, but we don't develop it. Now, I'm not stereotyping. I'm not washing anybody with it, but I've said I've seen a lot of people that are living just like the carnal natural man even though they've got this tremendous grace inside of them that makes them as he is, so are we in this world. And so it's got to be changed. So only the laser focus live by it. Don't you think we ought to? Gosh, if we, if we gave you 
a million dollars, each one of you, and said, it's there, do what you want. And you go, you know, I'm real busy right now. We'd say, you're really idiotic too. You know, you ought to go spend that money. Praise God. Now, I, did a, I found this study. It's amazing what you can find on the Internet. But I found this study. I was looking for uh, things about focus. And Microsoft did a study that says that today the average adult attention span is eight seconds. That means, you know, when somebody engages you, you can give them eight seconds of, of unstrained attention. But then after eight seconds, so you better say what you're going to say to your friends fast, <laughs> that, that you start wandering off and they have to, you have to be re-engaged. Eight seconds. Well, the bad thing about this study is, is that in the year 2000, the average attention span for adults was 12 seconds. So it's gone down. Can you all think of some things in our culture and society that would make your attention span go down? I see them driving all the time. They're over in my lane. They're over in that lane. They're driving 45 miles an hour. And it's like, what's wrong? What's you don't have enough gas? And when you finally pass them, they're dit, 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 dit. I don't like to get mad and upset, but that's when I do. I don't like game playing or texting when they're in my lane. But that's another day, another way. Hallelujah. The, uh, I looked up attention deficit disorder, which is also ADHD. I forget what the H stands for, but anyway, you know what it is. And I said, what is that? And it's uh, children that have ADD often jump from task to task without finishing any of them. They feel trapped by any task, listen, listen, that takes longer than the time that they're able to maintain focus. In other words, it's like a, it's like a, it just goes off. They, at a certain time, they're unable. They're just unable, like you and I. I couldn't lift 200 pounds. I would be unable. And they're unable to go past a certain time, and if the task takes longer than that, they can't do it. And they're very frustrated. They're very upset because they just lose the ability. So that tells you in the natural sense, and we're, we're not saying this could be demons and devils. I'm not even saying that ADD is all medical. There's all sorts of things that are going on in these kinds of uh, conditions that are not medical, but they, they manifest that way. But you could say that focus, if there's any segment of people you can look to that, that cannot focus, and then they're unable to live a full life, it could be for us. If you were only able to focus a certain time, but it wasn't debilitating, it, wasn't, it didn't show up like an ADD child, but you just turned it off with God. Just God, He says, I want you to read the Word. I want you to pray. I want you to pay attention in church. I want you to hear from me. And just after a while, it just turns off, spiritually speaking. And you're not able to go any further, but we're in a culture, a society, uh, spiritually speaking, where nobody even notices. It's like, you go, man, I was only able to go two hours in prayer this morning. And then, you know, I'm just, something happened. And there they look at you like, two hours? You went two hours? You're something supernatural. You're something weird here. Are y'all getting my point I'm trying to make here? Is that just because it is debilitating to some children physically, we could be in that same category. 
It could be affecting us, and it's like we didn't even know it. We didn't even know that we were ADD, attention deficit disorder, or whatever it is. Hallelujah. So, now let's, let's pull this around. If the devil, there's a real devil, and he's a, he's a mean devil. He's a 24-hour devil. He's a, he's a consistent devil, but he's a dumb devil, because he can read this. He's read it many times. He knows every word in it. But he can't always understand it, and he thinks, he thinks the part about God uh, getting the last word, he doesn't believe that. And so the devil is after you and me, and he thinks he has a chance for success. And ultimately, he is defeated, but day to day, sometimes he does have success. But if the devil wanted to limit you or me, a believer, what would be his easiest way to shut me down? I just told you about ADD. What could he do to shut me down? Break my focus. Because a hundred unfinished projects are no better than no started projects. So zero for zero or zero for a hundred is still zero. Uh, so how do you defeat a man that's in pursuit of a goal? Because we just looked at Let me read it again here. We're still there. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. So how would the devil, while you're after the high calling of God in Christ, how could he break that or how he could do that? Just break your focus. Uh, he literally could give you another goal. In other words, pile on. Or he could give you a lesser goal and say, you know, this other one's going to take a while. Let me go down and just feed the hungry today instead of studying or whatever, whatever. He could just get you. And when you get down there, they're really hungry. They're really needy. There's ministries right now that are in town that we need to be a part of that are helping the homeless. But you could get involved with that. And I've seen people that that's all they did. They were so overwhelmed, they were very merciful, and they just they can't get away from them. And we're to help the poor. The Bible says if you lend to the Lord, if you, uh, if, if you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and He repays. So there's, there's not any return on giving to the poor, but if you don't regard the needy man, then your prayers don't get answered. So it's kind of like one of those things where you brush your teeth and nobody's going to say, wow. That looks really good on you, that brush teeth thing. That's uh, you, know, you won't get anything positive, but if you don't brush your teeth, we may mention it. <laughs> so that's what it is given to the poor. You do it, and you do it as a matter of, co of course, and it keeps us right. It keeps us right ministering to the poor. Well, back to this, how do you defeat a man in pursuit of a goal? You give him another goal. You give him a lesser goal, one that he can get to the end of it, but it's not God's plan. It's not a worthy goal, but it breaks his focus on the worthy goal. And, yeah. Now, I wrote this down. I never heard this before, but I wrote this down. Get, uh, there is no victory unless and until it's finished. That's simple. If you didn't finish it, you got no victory. Well, I started a hundred things this year. Didn't finish any of them, but I was sure in there. Spent all year long starting them. I, we say around here that faith is the great equalizer. 
you can't do this and you can't do that, but you can get in faith. If you don't have money, you can get in faith. If you don't have a, a healed body, you can get in faith. If, if you don't have friends, you can get in faith. But another thing is that focus and follow through are great equalizers. For what you don't have that other people do have, you can just focus on what you do have. And, and like two is better than one, it'll cause it to grow. It'll cause you to be powerful. A focused man is a powerful man. A follow-through woman is a powerful woman. Even if it's a lesser thing, if she follows through, if he focuses, it'll be better than a whole bunch of great men that didn't get anything uh, done with their life. So if you can't, uh, I wrote this down. If you can't say no to more, somebody says, would you come help me? There's lots of people I've known over my life that couldn't say no. If you ask them to do anything, they are so kind and so wonderful and so accommodating, so Christian, that if you ask them to do anything, even though their, their schedule for that day is already eight hours over. But if you ask them, they're going to say yes. Doesn't mean they're going to do it. Doesn't mean they didn't put it on the list and you're in line. Yep, he's in line down there, but they can't do it. And they can't get, because the list is always impending. I, I'm a list person, and my list sometimes tries to defeat me because I got lots of stuff on my list. I was talking this morning about I got a stack, if it's on the book, floor, I got a stack of books this long that's on my read list. Looks like I'm behind. <laughs> so why am, why am I not reading those? Because I'm doing stuff that's, I think, is more important or more, demanding on me that gets in cuts in line don't y'all hate people that cut in line don't y'all hate to be on the interstate and it says move over move over and you move over and somebody comes down the 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 shoulder and they go way down there and then they just come in well they just cut in front of you as if they cut right in front of you that's another subject another day hallelujah <laughs> uh, but if you can't say no to more you can't finish your race now you'll be a good guy and they'll all say, isn't he the handiest thing? He helped me with this and he did that, but he didn't finish his race. And if you can't say yes to more focus in your race, listen, listen, if you can't say yes to change, you won't finish your race because there's too much prize before you to maintain a lackadaisical or unfocused life, enjoying life, life has got so much in it, so much in it. There's just so much to do and so much you can do with your kids and your wife and, your, and just get a motorcycle, get a motorhome, get a boat, just so much to do. And lots of people are doing all those things, or some of them. But can you do them? If you get out of timing and say, well, gosh, Johnny Bob got him a new motorcycle. I'm going to get me a new motorcycle. But you got debts. You hadn't paid off your car. You got this, that, and the other going. But you want a motorcycle. You just can't cut it off. It will cut you out of your goal, out of your dream. So we said this last week or last Wednesday. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's the main thing. And so everybody's saying, what is the main thing? Well, the main thing is to find the main thing. And it's a search that never, you never end it, but you do get it focused down, narrower and narrower. We all think we're Christians, we're supposed to do everything for everybody all the time, but that's not true. We're to be kind and we're to walk in love, but we're not to do, we're not to pick up every need. 
Um, I, I say this about myself anymore, and this has been my goal for the last 10 years. I've said on myself that I can only do what only I can do. If anybody else can do it, I'm not doing it. You go, well, that's pretty narrow. Well, number one, I can't do it because it's not on my list and I'm going to get off the track. In other words, I'm racing a relay around the track for my team, but if, if, if I get off the track, I lose for my team. And number two, I'm knocking somebody else that's supposed to do that out of doing it. That's, that's what they can do that nobody else can do in their, in their sphere. So you have to keep the main thing the main thing, but you got to find it. That takes focus because there's so many good things out there to do that you could say, ah, I'm busy all the time. Yep, but you won't finish your race, your race, your race. You'll finish a race, you'll, you'll die, and the Lord will say, well, that's pretty good, but it's not well good. Well done. And we said this, we said the common denominator of all great men. Do you all remember this? The common, de- what, what is common? Because they had to go through there and study, say, what makes the great great? It's focus. It wasn't that they did a great thing, each one of them, but they stayed in their lane and did their job. And then we said, nobody ever made a difference by doing all things. I say this about myself, or used to, I'm a jack of all trades and masters of none. Because I can fix about anything. And that's my little mantra in my family. Dad can fix anything. And I can, I just pretty much, even if I call the electrician, <laughs> I, can, I cause it to be done. But I, I'm a problem solver. You are too. Whether you know it or believe it, you are a problem solver. You are the greatest thing that the kingdom has is you to solve problems. But uh, the greatest thing about, the, the thing that makes men great is not their expertise, not their intellect, not their uh, charisma, it's that they focused on one thing and became great in that one thing. Well, you and I are no different than that. We're called to do one thing. Uh, I, I, I was thinking about the lie that we all have as believers, the lie that we have options. Now, if you're, if you're a, a human, if you're an American, you got options. And no, nobody, if you can do it, if you can afford it without committing a crime or stealing or anything, then you got options. You can be on the lake in the morning and spend all day long there. You may not can eat on Tuesday, but you can be, you got options because the lake is open and, and it's open to everybody. But I can't be on the lake in the morning. Why not? Because I'm bought with a price. Doesn't mean I can never be on the lake, but right now the lake is not where I'm at. I, I, I sold my motorcycles. Because it was an open window, I rode, I rode like a, I rode like a happy guy. And then when the window closed, I sold that puppy. I sold it and said, "That's over," because it was. So the window opens, the window closes, and you got to be in your lane, stay in your lane. But there's the lie of options, the lie of choices that I got choices, and so we think everything that comes to us must be from God. It's not. Can y'all say Amen? It's not. It's American. It's human. It's, it's, uh, uh, we're on a track of grace, but even the track of grace is a track. And we're not robotic. We can get off the track any time, but the track is the track of victory, of, of fulfilling your assignment, of running your race and finishing your course. And if you care about that, if you, if you are pressing towards the mark of the prize, of the high calling 
of God in Christ Jesus. If you're in that, then you don't have options. You don't have choices. You have the choice to listen to Holy Ghost or get in the flesh. And that's, that's your option. But if you're saying, I'm going for the prize, I'm pressing. What did I say there? I run straight. I strain to reach the end. I pursue looking toward the goal. If you're that kind of guy, that kind of girl, then you don't have options. You go, well, that sounds pretty dull. Ah, the Lord has options. And when you serve him and when you stay on his track, then down the way, your life becomes exponential. And he'll let you go to the lake. He'll send you to the lake. He'll, you never had so much fun as if you stayed on the track of the Lord Jesus. But it's not in your timing and not at your choice and not at your option. It's on his. I told you the story about for years, we couldn't even pick out our own car. We'd say, I want one of them. The one time I picked out my own car, it was, it was old Billy for me. After that, it's like, Lord, you pick them out. And I've, I've driven Lincoln Continentals. He picked that. It was a used one. A, a, a New Yorker, a, a Chrysler New Yorker, Fifth Avenue. No, it wasn't New Yorker. It was a Fifth Avenue. Or maybe it was. I don't remember. But anyway, it's like, Lord, what do you want me to drive? They always were cheap, inexpensive, I should say. And they all lasted and they all traded in good. And they all, always served us. But if you say, I got my own options. I'm going to get a Camaro. Well, just drive on, girl. Just just sit down in that low seat. Your, your, little, your little backside is about this far off the pavement, I can tell you, if you, if you took an x-ray. Just drive on. And God's not mad, but you're off the track. Unless he said, I want you to drive this, and that would be good. I don't know where I'm going with all this, but... Uh, Let's turn, let's turn to Hebrews. Let's go to a scripture. When you don't know what to do, go to a scripture. <laughs> you collect yourself when you're flipping the pages. Chapter 12 of Hebrews. Uh, so to be casual or indifferent to the course that God's put you on is just simply to be I'm not focused. I got options. I do what nobody, I don't, this is what Americans and this is what all people, I don't want you telling me what to do. Almost all people are in that mode. I, nobody, you can't tell me what to do. You're not my boss. And one of the excuses we read about why people doesn't come to church is because they don't like somebody telling them what to do. Well, we have plenty of that at church. <laughs> this is what you ought to do. Well, they don't like that. Well, if we get off our course, we're saying that very same thing in our own life. In Hebrews chapter 12, let's look in uh, verse 1. Ah. Uh, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, what, what, what? Because of that, what? Let us lay aside every weight. Let us. He, he, it's, a, it's a counsel. It's a wisdom. Let us lay aside every weight. What weight? And the sin. What sin? Which doth so easily beset us. Now, let's talk about that. These are, these are weights and sins. Now, listen, listen. They may be lawful, but they aren't necessarily profitable. The Word says all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. So you can go to the lake in your brand new boat while your kids are at home without school supplies. You can go, and, it's, and nobody says, we got to take you to jail. But it might not be right. So he said, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which does so easily beset us, and do what? What would be the advantage of that? Let us run with patience the race 
that is set before us. So we have the race here that's set before us. So everybody's in a race. Every believer's in a race. The New Living says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. I like that. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. Say focus. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Well, I like this. We do this, how? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, look, look, who initiates and perfects our faith. Lord Jesus, is he Lord or is he just the passenger? God's my co-pilot. I bet he's nervous. <laughs> I bet he's taking pills. <laughs> ah, oh, I've seen some people. I don't want to be. I don't want to be their co-pilot. Hallelujah. Second uh, Timothy chapter four. Paul says, "I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Now look, look. I have kept the faith. We all have faith, but he says I've kept the faith. Uh, the Passion Version." says, I've fought an excellent fight. I have finished. There it is. I have finished. Not everybody finishes. Everybody starts. I've finished my full course, and I've kept my heart full of faith. So there's a keeping. There's distractions. There's, there's weights. There's sins that get us off course. But he said, they all came to me, but I was able to get through the weights, the sins, the, the disturbances and distractions, and keep myself on course. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, y'all may be crying because there's a lot of scriptures here, but I only have five scriptures this whole morning. Say miracle. <laughs> oh, my Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's see how the kingdom works. Because once we, once we know, then we can use our faith to comply and focus. Chapter 9, verse 25 says, and every man that striveth for the mastery, the mastery, the mastery. We're talking about running for the pressing towards the mark of the prize. Every man who striveth for the mastery to finish his race, to finish his course, to do what God has put him on earth to do. Because it's not over when you leave this earth. When Jesus comes and we're all lifted up together, hallelujah. Oh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I want, sometimes, you know, you'd like to leave, but then you'd say, but I want to miss, I don't want to miss that rapture thing. I don't want to just have someone tell me about it. Oh yeah, I came, I came three months after you and I came in the rapture. You should have stayed. Um, verse 25 is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So there's, it's worth it. It's worth it to get your race run, your course finished. The, uh, I don't even know what version this is. Well, anyway, I'll read it. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. He said, now here it is. So I run with purpose in every step. Every step. It takes focus. 
to run with every step. So my ministry, your ministry assignment, what is it? Be ready. Just be ready. We talk about it all the time. Don't miss the turn. Life is not always straight, and life doesn't always, in the natural, give you 40 signs saying, turn soon, turn ahead, turn 10 miles, 11 miles. Sometimes the turn comes up in the Holy Ghost, and you just know in your knower, it's time to make a turn. And I've, ma- I've missed a lot of turns. And you gotta, if you go off in the, in the woods, the weeds, in the field, you got to back up, and sometimes you spin, you get stuck, and you have to dig it out and call a tow truck and say, uh, your brother-in-law, come and bail me out and help me and everything. i got to get back on the track. I didn't know there was a turn coming. But, boy, if you make the turn, it's just a lazy, long curve, and you just go down there, and then you hit the gas, and you're up to speed, and you just keep on going. And then somebody else is out in the field trying to call a a help. I've been on both sides. How about you? I've decided not to be out in the field anymore. (laughs) I've decided to focus. Hallelujah. So my assignment, your assignment is to find my assignment, your assignment, find your assignment, and then focus on finishing your assignment. Now, this sounds like one of those militaristic, uh, uh, grind it out, put your chin, put your uh, uh, knee to the whatever it is to the grindstone. What's that? Put your nose to the grindstone, yeah, and just you just buckle down because it's going to be austere. It's going to be hard. It's going. I'm telling you, there's more money in your assignment than you'll ever have out in the world. I'm telling you, there's more relationships that'll bless you and honor you and help you in your assignment. Because they're God's people, and, and, and you never had so much fun. I'm telling you there's more health in your assignment. Because when you're healed or when you're in your assignment, there's a, there's a grace for you to finish your assignment that you don't get off on the lake. You, on the lake, it's like everybody's on their own. But on your assignment, it's like, why are people so sick? Because they're not in their assignment. Ooh, I shouldn't have said that, but it's true anyway. Hallelujah. So here, let me just finish this up. It's the goal of Satan to break your assignment. What else would he do? What else is he doing what he's doing for? What, what does he care about you? Because sending, you, sending Christians to hell doesn't do a thing for the devil. Everybody thinks that. Well, God wants you to go to heaven and the devil wants you to go to hell. That's not true. It is no motivation in his life to send you to hell. The only reason he'd send you is so he could get you a wild-eyed Christian that's sold out to get you out of the earth and quit being a Jesus freak. But those people aren't going to hell. So he doesn't care. Uh, So we have to say no to others. Say no. (laughs) you got to say no. And sometimes it's hard because we're so used to saying yes and we feel so guilty. And then we find out the one we said no to, you know, they, they didn't get it done and they're, they're mad and everything. And you go, but I had to say no. It's Jesus is Lord. Uh, you, you, you can't be need distracted because we'll always have needs around us. And you can't meet them all. You're not supposed to meet them all. But I'll tell you this. I'll finish up with this. When you get focused, nothing will stop you. That's how people get through college. It's how people uh, pay their rent with families is they just get focused. They say, if I don't go to work this afternoon, we're not going to have groceries for me and mama and the kids. And so they just get focused. It's a natural thing, but they just, they just load up and go in the middle of the night and in the rain and in the trouble. They just go. 
and they do, and they whatever, because they're focused, and it always makes them successful down the road. Nothing will stop you when you're focused. I told you, I'm focused on doing what only I can do. Well, sometimes it makes you a slug. I can tell you I feel sometimes like a slug. Because I'm used to, my life, my ministry has been going 100 miles an hour in the 30-mile zone. I'm breaking every rule. I'm not, I wasn't taking Sabbaths. Sabbaths are essential. Doesn't mean you work all the time on your assignment. It means sometimes that with, with it stacked up this high around you, it comes to your Sabbath and you just shut it down. Taking a Sabbath, me and mom are going to the lake and just look at the flowers. We're going to church, and then we're going to this, that, and the other. Well, how can you do that? You're covered up. Because I get more done with the Sabbath than I can get done without the Sabbath. It's my assignment. It's built in. So the, the tithe is a part of or in the same parcel as the Sabbath. You get more done giving it to God, Sabbath, tithe, than you get by keeping it, holding on, because you can only hold on to so much up here. Dr. Cole always taught what you what you don't write down, you keep in your head and don't write down, goes into your body. What, what causes ulcers? Worry. So what you don't get off and just say, ah, I'm going to write this down and take it out of my head, then it'll go into your body. Enough of that. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm, I'm almost finished. Uh, every victory is the result, every victory, of unbroken focus. Say laser. 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 It, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't fuse off. Um, it means priorities. It means tenacity. It means boldness. It means patience. It means steadfastness. It means consistency. All that stuff is in focus. And, and everybody in this room is doing that. So I'm not, I don't want to preach to the choir, but we all need to be sharpened up every once in a while and just say, yep, yep, yep. And Galatians 6, 9 in Amplified says, let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right, for in due time and at the appointed season we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faith. Do not loosen and relax our courage and faith. So we got to stay focused. The Bible says that his, the, what does it say? Uh, his mercies are new every morning. I like what Steve Sampson said. What, what did he say the other day about, uh, uh, I shouldn't have brought it up if I couldn't remember it. It was funny, though. Yeah, if you're having a bad day, go to bed, because his mercies are new every morning. Yeah, that was, thank you, Jonathan, appreciate that. Uh, well, I had one thing I wanted to say. Oh, yeah, here it is. People give up. You want to know how people get off into sin? You want to know why people uh, quit and give up? It's because of three things. They either get, they get competitive. It's called a midlife crisis for men. I don't know what women call it. Maybe it's the same. They get to assessing their life and saying, Dear Lord, I'm 50 years old. I, I hadn't, well, I'm half a century. I'm going to die in six years. I got And I hadn't done anything. Makes them lose it. They lose their focus. The second thing is boredom. It's what happens to most people is boredom. They get bored. Pastors get bored, and they do crazy things. Waiting on the will of God. I think I throw that in there. Or they get tired. I always think, I always said this, when fatigue comes in, faith goes out. You can't ever win in the middle of a trial. You can't ever build or increase your faith because of that. Amen. 
Focus. Make your ready ready. Keep your ready ready. Get ready. Get ready for anything. And then the pressure comes off because I'm ready. Nobody likes to be behind. Nobody likes like, what if? Or there's a deadline coming up. What if this? Because I'm not ready. I've all... Well, I know what that's all about. Is you got to be ready. Yay. Praise God. Uh, there's something that's messed up with that finger on somebody. This would be your right hand and your... It, it's not your ring finger, but it would be that finger. The, you've been in an accident. Oh, this is going to be bold. I'm going to call. I believe the Lord wants a creative miracle for that. That finger. Can you, well, I better not. <laughs> you can see all of them. It's this one. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we call for a creative miracle for this digit, this finger, to be restored, recreated, and made new. If that's you, just start thanking God. Doesn't matter what's happening, what you feel like, whatever. Just thank God that He has seen your need, and He is aware of you, very aware of you, and he wants to show you he loves you. He's going to fix your finger right away. Amen. Praise God for our fixed finger. Well, it doesn't matter. We're not any of us uh, upset about our fingers. That's because they feel good. But if it didn't feel good, you know that's the thing that it's this big when something gets, when you hit the hammer on something, it gets this big. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What else? What else? Uh, praise God. Uh it's on a job. Um, let's see here what that is all about. Uh, you've, you've applied for a job. That's what it is. You've applied for a job, and it's the job that you want, and you think will meet your needs, but you just they won't accept it. They won't hire you, and you're going, what is this all about? Is God mad at me? And I tell you, God's not mad at you. I tell you, he's got a better job for you. And this one has got trouble in it. The one you've applied for and you think would be so wonderful, it's got trouble in it. And he's a good father, a good God, and he is steering you. So take your faith off of it. Take your I got to have it, or you take your bless God, I'm going to get it. Take that off of that and say, Lord, where do you want me to be? Because he cares about your job, about your employment. He cares about your health, and he's got a better job for you. So in the name of Jesus, receive the provision and the, and the, and the, the wisdom of God and let God bring you to the right job, and it'll be a blessing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in today. We're so glad you came to River Church. We'll be here Wednesday night. It's about 7.15 or so. We'll start broadcasting, so tune in. Thank you.